And in this series that we're in, we're actually looking at the book of James. We are looking uh, at James, and this is week number four, and we are in James chapter four. Remember that James is the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, and he is writing to his church. So this is Pastor James sending an email to the church, okay? He's, he's sending a, a prophetic update. He's sending a doctrinal update. He's sending a lifestyle update to his church. And the point of the book of James is that he wants the church to grow up. He wants them to mature. And he does believe, as well as we, that God does have an uncommon life for us. But it will require uncommon maturity, uncommon wisdom, and uncommon faith. And I, I have to be honest with you, this is the most, uh, James, James starts warming up, okay, towards the end of the book. And he's going to let it rip in James chapter 4. So if you don't like any of the things I say, I didn't say it. James said it. So don't get mad. Don't get mad. Don't get mad at me. All right. So uh, he knows there's drama in the church. So here's what he says. What, what's causing all these quarrels and fights among you? Why y'all, why y'all got all this drama? Where's it coming from? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? Ooh. So he says the issue is actually not them, it's, it's you. It's something going on in the inside of you. you. You want what you don't have and you scheme and kill to get it. Now, I don't think James thought his church was murderers. I think what he's saying is you, you are trying to do things the world's way. You're, you're in the world's system. And, and he goes, that, that's not it. You, you want what you don't have, you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, so we have all of this conflict, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. So now he says, y'all don't pray. You're not seeking God. You're not asking God. Maybe you've heard it like this. You have not because you ask not. That's what he's saying here. And then, and then he says, but to you prayer warriors in verse 3, even what you do ask, you don't get. It's like, oh, Jesus, I can't win. <laughs> because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure? I call these buffet Christians. <laughs> Be honest, have you been to a buffet on the strip? Anybody been to a buffet? Wow, three hands, cool. So there's a sin called lying. Uh, let's start there today. We gotta start right at the beginning. Uh, I love a buffet. You go to the buffet, you ignore the salad bar, amen. It just sits there, rotten, just dying. No one goes to it. Because you're there for prime rib and crab legs, amen, and dessert. That's, why, that's the only reason you're there. And, uh, and so at a buffet, you get to pick what you want. You get to choose what you want. That's great. You just can't take buffet thinking into the Bible. <laughs> you, you don't get to look at the Bible and go, I like a little bit of this, but I don't want any of that. Uh, I like this, don't judge me, amen. I like that one. Highlight. <laughs> Forgive your enemies. Ah, next page. <laughs> God's going to do exceedingly abundantly. Turn up. <laughs> Tithe. Next. <laughs> um, and we don't, we, the, the Bible's not a buffet. And we don't, we don't get to choose. The, the scripture actually says God talks to uh, his prophet Ezekiel. And he says, Ezekiel, I want you to eat the whole book which means you don't just get the pieces that you want to get, but you got you you to eat the whole thing because the whole thing's good for you. And some of the word tastes like filet mignon and honey, and some of it tastes like broccoli. 
but you got to eat all of it. All right, so he says, you got all these issues. What's the remedy? So the Bible always has hope. It never just beats you up. There's always hope. Now here's the hope, verse 6. He gives grace generously. He says what, what we need is grace and what we need is God. All these issues, we need God. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He's saying, guys, it's going to require humility. So humble yourselves before the Lord. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Wow. Purify <laughs> your hearts. He's saying, he's, saying, he's saying, let all that junk wash off of you. How many know that you just live your life and just junk can get on you from the world? Right? I, I had a little cough last week. I sat next to a lady on a Southwest flight who coughed the whole flight. She coughed the whole flight. And I said, where's that mask mandate? I almost want it back. I was an anti-masker. Now I want a mask. You know what I'm saying? Got the t-shirt. I'm like, every time she coughed, I judged. And sure enough, I got a little cough. She gave me a little critter. You know what I'm saying? Well, in the, in the same way, the world can kind of get on you. Yes. And you got you to wash all that off. And you got you to purify your hearts. For, for your loyalty right now is divided between God and the world. He says, come close to God. And God will come close to you. The old King James says, draw near to God. And God will draw near to you. So I want to talk about draw near. Draw near. Father, we draw near to you now. In Jesus' name, and let the Knights win and the Nuggets win. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, a little bit of spiritual warfare in here when I prayed that. It was weird. So, so James unloads in, in chapter 4. He's, he's frustrated. He must be thinking about the church drama because he starts writing. He starts getting hot. And he goes, you got all these quarrels and all these fights and all this backbiting and this murder and this death and this stealing and this jealousy. He goes, he's got all these issues. And he's now going to address our horizontal issues. But he knows what we know, that if we've got horizontal issues, we've probably got vertical issues. So he's going to bring correction to our horizontal and our vertical because they're always connected. They're always, they're always going to be close together. They're, they're always going to impact each other. And if you go to our church, you've heard me talk about relationships. And I always talk about that, that we can't, we can't say we love God who we can't see if we hate our brother who we can see. So he's, he's now saying you've got two relationship problems. You've got people problems and you've got God problems. And, and he's going to challenge us to stop compartmentalizing our life. Put everything in compartments. So I got my God thing from 11.45 to 1 p.m. And preacher, if you go a minute over, we out. I got an hour and 15, that's for God. But the rest of my life is my life, and we put it in compartments. And we're all tempted to do this. You got your personality on the basketball court. You got your personality on the golf course. You got your personality at work. You got your personality with your family. You got your personality at church. You got your other personality at small group. We all got, we all got compartments, and James is saying you cannot do that. You can't be divided, divided, division, separated, because you, you, you'll never be whole because you're split in too many different places. So, so he's calling us to wholeness. 
See, you know you're maturing and you know that you're becoming a disciple and you know that you're leaving casual Christianity when you want Jesus in every area of your life. When you don't just want Jesus on Sunday for an hour, but you know you need Jesus on Monday. Now you're growing. Now you're growing. All right, so here's the... Here's the first thing we learned from James. We have a spiritual problem. We got a, we got a spiritual problem. What, what's causing all these issues in your life? What's causing all of this? Is it not the war? Watch this. There's a war within you. Watch this. The war is not between you and other people. The war is not between you and the devil. The war is on the inside of you. So who's the battle with? Not the enemy, the inner me. <laughs> I got bars, I got bars, I heard you, I got bars. And don't we do that? We, it's us, but we're going we're to find somebody to blame. He says, no, the war's within you, the quarrels are within you, the jealousy's within you. It's not the devil, it's me. He doesn't tell the church they need deliverance. He tells the church they need humility. Oh, we don't want to hear that. He didn't say rebuke the devil, cast out the devil. He didn't say bind the devil. He said resist the devil. Don't you mess with him. Don't, just, he'll flee. He's on the run. That, that's not your issue. Your issue is the battle that's going on with you. James didn't say, let me tell you why there's all this conflict in your life right now. There's a demonic principality. Let me, let me say something about deliverance. I believe in deliverance. I think it's real, and I think Jesus sets people free. But, I, but if your idea of deliverance is what we're seeing on YouTube right now, we're not on the same page. And if you want what you see on YouTube for me to do to you, I will not do that to you because I don't believe in that. I don't believe in small churches with huge YouTube followings, with cameras in people's faces, while people throw up and scream and look like the Exorcist movie. I don't believe in that. Because I don't see it in the Bible. I see, come out in the name of Jesus, and it's over. I don't see, what's your name? I don't see that. So I'm not going to do that with you. We're not, gonna, we're not doing that. Now, if you need that, because it's a part of your faith tradition, we can help you find a church that will do that with you. I'm not even kidding. I'm not being ugly. I'm not making fun of deliverance, but I'm, I'm, I'm unimpressed with this because there are millions of Christians that are finding preachers to tell them they're possessed. Because if I'm possessed, then it's not my fault. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, there ain't no room for the devil. So I'm not going to... And I feel like I have to come against this thing because, because believers are looking... Who can I blame? Well, it couldn't be humility. It couldn't be drawn near to God. It couldn't be a war within me. It's got to be somebody else. So James doesn't say, y'all need deliverance. We're doing a deliverance session on Saturday. Y'all need, that's not what he says. He says the opposite. He goes, you got a war within you and you need to humble yourself. And you need to get closer to God. So again, I want you to hear me. I'm, I believe everything in the Bible for real, but I don't believe in cultural 
Pentecostal traditions that, that create big online followings with no fruit. I'm not into that. I'm just not into that. And I, know, and I know people who have squirmed and screamed and they get up and they're the same person. And I'm going, I don't, what happened? Because you were rolling. I hope I'm making my, I'm being a pastor. Is that all right? Being a pastor. Okay. All right. Thank you. So James says, James would say, Jabin, it's you, dog. The war's in you, bro. And I go, nah, somebody, it's got to be somebody else. It can't be me. And, and you know what? I sound like and we sound like Adam because this isn't new. This isn't new. Do you remember Adam? God walks up to Adam. He's like, Adam, who told you you sinned? Who told you you're naked? What happened, man? Why are you covered in fig leaves? What's going on? And Adam went, uh, Lord, the woman you gave me. For you drinkers in here, I call this double fisting blame. <laughs> the woman you gave me. And in one moment, Adam blames his source and his blessing. And if you're not careful, you will curse the very one that's blessing you and you'll curse the very blessing God gave you. Because if you refuse to take responsibility, you create enemies out of things that God actually put in your life to be a blessing to you. Pastor James is all over us today, I'll tell you what. By the way, so Eve said, I ain't going out like that. What about you, Eve? Is the serpent. Is the there was a snake, started talking, I couldn't help myself. So she blames the devil. Adam blames his wife and blames God. And we do the same thing. Do you notice that with Adam and Eve, they were the common denominator? God, devil, spouse, kids, job, boss, government. It's got to be one of those. And yet the one in the middle is the only common denominator. I am not saying that what I'm preaching is easy. It's actually very hard. That's why most of us don't do it. Right? I mean, let's be honest. Like, there's a reason. Because I think when people started reading James chapter 4, and he said, what causes these quarrels among you? I think everyone was going, it's her, it's him, it's them, it's them, it's him, it's my mama, it's my dad, it's them, it's this. And James goes, it's actually a war within you. And they went, excuse me? That's, no, no, it couldn't be me. Let me, go, let me go deeper. Every undealt issue in my soul creates an enemy out of the people in my life. So I will now create an enemy out of you so that I don't have to take responsibility. Okay, because I don't see people as they are. I see people as I am. I don't see Brandon for who he is. I see Brandon for who I am. I don't see Anthony for who he is. I see Anthony as who I am. And the unhealthier I am, the more distorted you become. So now I start creating narratives about him 
that could be true, could not be true, but I don't actually know. But I'm, but I'm creating the narrative based off of who I am. This is why my health and my soul health and my spiritual health is so important. Because wherever there is unaddressed pain and wound, I'm going to see people through that pain and that wound. Now, this is very important. This is going to set somebody free. This will actually help you to forgive people. Because the things that they said about you, you're going, I don't think that's true. And they, it's not true. They were saying that through their lens. Because they saw you through who they were, not through who you were. I worked for a person uh, at one point in my life that was very abusive, spiritually abusive, emotionally abusive, uh, mentally abusive. It was, uh, it was truly abuse. It was, it was so long ago that we didn't think about it then. You know what I mean? Like this is before we became more awakened to these kind of things, but absolute abuse. And the things that he would say to me, I mean, in no way related to, like I would be like, is this? I'd look at Shannon and go, is this? I'd look at the people that knew me really well and go, is that? Do you see that? And they'd go, no. But he saw me as he was, not as I was. And I had to, I had to go, no, I, I'm not that. I'm not perfect, but I'm not that. I make mistakes, but I'm not that. And if you're not careful, you will let people who don't know you define you. And by the way, anyone who's bold enough to judge you that doesn't know you, they don't know themselves. So never let somebody that doesn't even know them tell you who you are. Are we all right? You don't even know you yet. Last week you didn't like coffee. This week you do. You don't even know you yet. You don't even know. Last week your steak was medium well. Now it's medium rare. You don't even know. You don't even know how to order yet. You don't even know what we're doing yet. You, you can't tell me who I am. Be very careful. But here's, here's the freedom in it. When, when people say things like that, you can forgive them because you go, oh, they just don't know who they are. And, they're, and they're, actually, they're actually naming me and identifying me through themselves. Oof. So you can forgive. And I had to learn how to forgive. I had to learn how to not hold on to that and say, that's me. I guess that's me. No, I had to learn how to go, no, I forgive you for the judgments you've made about me. Okay. Secondly, we can do the same thing, so we have to be very careful. And here's why it's so easy to blame. Here's, so why, here's why it's so easy to do what Adam did. It's so easy to blame others because I can see you. I can't see me. I can't see the crusty in my eye. I can't see the spinach in my teeth. I can't see the booger in my nose. Come on, somebody. I can't see it. You can see it. So if there's issues and I can't see me but I can see you, I'm going to make you the issue. I don't know if you've ever been driving, just minding your business. Loving God on the freeway, listening to K-Love. Come on, spirit, air, whatever. I don't know what the Christian radio station is here. You know, you're just praising the Lord, air one. And someone cuts you off, and you're in a good mood. So you don't, you don't go crazy. You give them a Jesus honk, amen? You just, just don't, I don't want to die today. I'm singing to God, don't want to see God yet. 
and then they flip you off. Y'all ever been there? They cut you off and then they get mad at you. Because they they don't see it. And if you're not careful, you will run people off the road. Because you don't see you. Wow. So, So everywhere that I refuse to let God heal me, It'll show up in my relationships and it will create enemies, unnecessary enemies. I'm not saying there aren't people that you need to separate from and leave and walk away from and stop having fellowship with. I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about unnecessary enemies. Unaddressed lust creates enemies. Unaddressed hate uh, creates enemies. Unaddressed jealousy creates enemies. Unaddressed racism creates enemies. Unaddressed pride creates enemies. Unaddressed bitterness and unforgiveness creates enemies enemies. So here's my prayer. I'm going to teach you two prayers today. Y'all ready? Okay. Is this mic on? Okay. Y'all ready? Okay. Here's the first prayer. Lord, heal me of every wound. I do not know I have. Ooh, that's pretty. And it'll change your life because here's what will happen. You'll start praying that and God will start healing you and your relationships will look healthier. And you go, why are my relationships looking healthier? Because God's healing you. Because yes. you're no longer treating people through a wound. Good. Let's pray it. Put, it. put it back up real quick. One, two, three. Lord, heal me of every wound I do not know I have. That will change your life. I was putting sunscreen on my uh, daughter this week and I was spraying her and I got to her arm and some sunscreen hit right here and she went, ah, that sunscreen hurt me. I go, no, it didn't. She went, well, then you hurt me. I go, no, I didn't. She had a little cut that we didn't know she had. The sunscreen did not hurt her. The sunscreen revealed a wound. (laughs) Anybody just feel like you got to get on a couch right now and just talk to me? This is so healing for you. It's so healing. So you go, why did I get so mad at them just now? Why did I curse out my wife? I love my wife. Why did I do that? Why am I so irritable towards my kids right now? Why am I so mad at that person that I love? Why did that get in my soul like it did? It wasn't that. It only revealed an unaddressed wound. So I got to be very sensitive to that so that I can let God heal me so that I don't punish the people in my life that God's brought in my life. Okay. So he says that it's a desire within me. There's a war within me. There's a desire within me. There's an evil desire within me. So let's talk about this evil desire real quick. Because it's important to address the desire. Here's what the scripture says in James chapter one. We go back to chapter one. If, If you're tempted... People are tempted when they're dragged away by their own desire. So watch this. You're tempted when? Here's what you just learned. That temptation has a timing. 
And the timing of temptation is desire, which means before you're tempted, you have a desire. Are we okay? Do y'all have too many mimosas at lunch? Are we all right? Okay. This, this means that if I'm ever tempted, I have an unchecked desire somewhere back here that I haven't dealt with. Because if I fixed the desire, I wouldn't be tempted. After desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin gives birth to death. So we have desire, temptation, sin, death. What most of us do is we try to stop being tempted. You can't. You're going to be tempted in life. But you can fix the desire. So you're tempted less. Now, anytime I talk about temptation, we got to say it because it's what you do in church. You always have to bring this up. Hey, temptation isn't a sin. Even Jesus was tempted. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> and anyone who's even been to church one time is like, amen, pastor, praise God. Because we all relate with that. So that's good. Let me just remind you, though. He was tempted once. <laughs> in other words, he didn't spend all day, every day, Tempted about, oh, I don't want to be doing this. Oh, I hate this. Oh, I hate these people. Oh, I got to feed more people. Oh, I want to be eating the bread. I got to feed the bread. Ah, he wasn't, he didn't live in a constant state of, of spiritual battle. This is important to know because you don't have to hate your Christian life. Wow. Clap your hands, somebody. You don't have to. Oh, I got to serve. Oh, I got to give. Oh, I got to, oh, I got to love my wife. Oh. You don't have to live that way. You, but, but what you do have to do is address the desire. Because the, the desire is the issue, not the temptation. So, like, I'm tempted less. I'll be careful, Pastor. He, he says they're without sin. No, 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 no I, I sin. Don't get me wrong. And I'm tempted. But I'm not tempted as much as I used to be. Now, some of that's for different Some of it's I'm 39. I'm not burning as hot as I used to. You know what I'm saying? Like, like sexual temptation now. Like, eh. When I was 20, man, I was on fire 24 hours a day. The time I saw a beautiful woman, I make a covenant with my eyes that I will not sin against the Lord. I was, I was constantly in a battle, right? Now I'm 39. It's like, oh, she's pretty, eh? eh. <laughs> Too old. Just do, and I just think about too much now. It's like to ruin my life, too expensive, too much work, too much pain, too much heartache. I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> like, ugh, who needs it? Who needs that? But also there's just a natural part at 39. I'm just obviously not... 20, and so, you know, I just don't, you know, your mind just isn't, or your body or whatever, whatever that, whatever that part of your brain is, it's like, eh. I'm just keeping it real, right? So, because I, I don't want you to think I'm, just, I'm never tempted, praise God. No, I'm older. Okay. Some of you are like 29, you're like, I am going to die right now. <laughs> yeah, you are. You, you need to take a cold shower. You need to buy one of those cold tubs everybody's buying. Live in it. Read your Bible in it. <laughs> That's what you need to do. <laughs> I don't need to do that anymore. I'm old. Okay, so. <laughs> so I'm not trying to be too, I'm not trying to just be super spiritual. But let me say this. What I, what I do is I don't, 
I don't pray about temptation. I pray about desire. And, I, and I'm very careful about what I allow in because it's going to create desire. And desire is going to create temptation. So Jesus said it like this, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, is going to bring forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart is going to bring forth evil things. That means, number one, I'm going to bring forth. Male or female, you are pregnant. And you're bearing fruit. You're bearing something. Does that make sense? I'm not, I didn't mean to. (laughs) I don't mean that literally. Okay, only women can get pregnant. Okay, thank you. It's so dumb, 2023. You got to like clarify now. You're like, I believe that only females can get pregnant. My point was, like, what world are we in? My point was, before you read into it, we're, we're bearing fruit. We're bearing something. We're producing something. And by the way, whatever, you, whatever you're producing will be in a greater level than the seed. See a seed? You see an apple, different sizes. So what, whatever we're allowing in is going to produce at a greater level and be bigger than what we were allowing in. So I'm careful. I'm not a monk. I'm not a, I'm not a nun. I'm not, I'm not living under a rock, but I am careful. I'm careful about what I listen to. I'm careful about what I watch. I'm careful about how much I let in. I'm, I'm careful to obey the whisper of the Holy Spirit. If I get a check, I might be watching a movie and I go, eh, I don't need to eh, close it. Might be in a movie. No, let's walk out. We don't need to. That's not weird. That's not legalistic. I'm never in a movie and get a check in my spirit and go, I better not be legalistic. I can watch this. No. No, it's the opposite. I go, ah, this is icky. I don't know. This has got a weird feeling. No, not going to happen. Be- because whatever's coming in is going to bear fruit. Good? Good. Evil? Evil. But either way, it's going to happen. Now, the more good I put into my life, the less tempted I'm going to be because I'm not feeding that monster. I'm not saying I'm not capable of it. I'm not, we're all capable of, of doing really foolish things. But the answer is not, I'm going to try not to be tempted. The answer is, I'm going to be very careful what I allow in my soul. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm out of time. Let's see about this. Let's see where to go here. I'm like, why do I preach so long? Why can't I just preach 30 minutes like a normal preacher? Okay, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you point three, and I'm gonna go to the last thing of point, a uh, point two, point two, really quick is I'm as close to God as I want to be. So here's the point. James, James says, here's the antidote, the medicine, the soul medicine for all of that junk that we just read in verses one through five. Here's the, here's the antidote. Draw near to God. Here's another word for it. Humble yourself. Here's another word for it. Repent. What's repentance? Is it boo-hooing and sobbing at the front? Not necessarily. Repenting is turning from something to someone. I'm leaving that thing for a better someone, and that someone is Jesus. So here's, here's repentance to me. Jesus, I give you today. 
lead me, guide me, and bless me. Open every door that needs to be open and shut every door that needs to be shut. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. Start praying that when you wake up. Tomorrow morning, your alarm goes off. Hit that snooze button. But don't look at TikTok and don't look at Instagram yet. Don't go on Facebook yet. Don't, don't check your emails or your texts. Whisper this prayer. Jesus, I give you today. And your heart will start turning. You're as close to God as you want to be finally. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. James says your, your loyalty is divided. I'll have the band come up. Your loyalty is divided. He says it's divided between God and the world. This, this word world is not like the earth and, and people. It's, it's the world system. It's the world's mentality. It's how the world thinks. It's the world's ideology. How many know there's a world system and there's a God system, right? You can... It's, it's clearer and clearer every day in our, in our current culture. So um, James says you, your loyalty is divided, torn apart, separated, division. You're not whole because you've got a foot in two kingdoms. And here's the thing about God. God's kingdom is elevated. God's kingdom is higher. Imagine tomorrow you walk with one shoe on and you walk barefoot on the other foot. You're going to be off. And when you walk with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, you're always off because the kingdom is higher than the world system. So you're out of balance. You're, you're off kilter. It's very easy to fall because, because you're not, you're not flat-footed on the solid ground of the kingdom of God. So he says your soul's divided, your heart's divided. And I want to ask you to make Jesus Lord of all. James is saying, you got to bring, Jesus has to be Lord of all. I don't know about you, but sometimes we'll have people over to the house and we'll have this conversation with our daughter. Here's the conversation. Maybe you have this with your kids. Ain't nobody going upstairs. You see me? Don't go upstairs. Because we're going to clean the downstairs, right? Because basically, our guests are going to be able to go in our guest bathroom downstairs and our kitchen and our living room. And that's it. Yeah. Don't, don't even think about the laundry room. I don't know what's alive in there. I don't know what's living. I don't want it. You don't go in the master bedroom. Absolutely not. Nope, we stand down. So we're staying in one little spot. And again, that's okay. You bring a guest over, that's okay. But when you invite Jesus into your life, you don't get to say, Jesus, you get to hang at this part of my house. Nope, he gets access to every room. Oh, don't go behind this door, Lord. Uh, newsflash, he's God, he knows what's behind the door. <laughs> whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's hatred, whether it's lust, whether it's greed, whether it's pride, whether it's pain, and he's going, can I have access to every door and every room of your heart? Because if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all.
and that is not perfection, but it is maturity. It, it doesn't mean you never sin, but it does mean you're whole. And it means even when you do sin, the door of your heart is open and he has access. Our little dog, Bentley, was about five years old and he had never had to walk on a leash. We lived in a house that had a doggy door and he could run out whenever he wanted to and he never had to learn to walk on a leash. Well, we moved to California. We had to now take him to a dog park and this dog park required a, a leash and so we had to walk him on a leash. We'd never done this before and he did, he did not know what, he did not like it. We would walk out the door and he would and we had one of those like and it looked, it looked like a fishing pole in deep sea fishing smoke and fire and sparks yeah, maybe not so just and he would run and he would get about 20 feet and I knew what was going to happen so I'm going no heal I don't even know what heal means you know I'm like heal started watching the dog whisper I'm like Y'all, y'all watch Sergio Milan, whatever his name is, Caesar Milan. You know, he's just running. Y'all don't know about Caesar? Okay, Google that today. That's funny. And at about twenty feet in, he'd run at it, and boom, he'd pull back, and then he would just gagging, choking, barking, growling throwing up just <laughs> heal that's a lot of your lives how far can I get away from the master and still go to heaven Well, is this a sin? Well, is this a sin? Well, is this a sin? Well, can we do this? Well, can we, well we're not married yet, but, we're, but we really love each other, so can we do this? But we won't do that, but we won't go all the way, but we'll... You're asking all the wrong questions, Bubba. It's not how far can I go and still get to heaven. The question is how close can I get to God and not get raptured? close can I get to God before God goes, I'm just going to take you up in a whirlwind like Elijah. I'm going to make your face glow like Moses. I'm not trying to get away from God. I'm wondering how close, because if Bentley had to learn, Bentley had, BC, Bentley had to learn that the further he was away from me, the more in danger he was and the more pain he was in. But the closer he got to the master, no tension, no battle, no war. And he was really safe because if a big dog came over, I could pick him up. And I had to a couple of times. And if a car was driving by, it didn't matter because we were right by each other. And I'm not calling you a dog. <laughs> so I'll say, I've been there. And I've been at the edge of my leash. And I've hated my life and I've hated religious activity and I've hated my walk with God. I've been there before.
because I was trying to push the limits on his grace. And, and I felt like God said one day, Jay, but I'm not going to let go. But neither of us like this. And I'm going, ah, grace, ah, grace, ah. You have to forgive me. Ah, I'm a Christian. Ah. Don't judge me. Ah. Only God can judge me. Oops. <laughs> So I'm not calling you a dog, but I've been a dog. And I learned, I'm just going to get so close to God. And the leash is loose. And the safety is real. And the convos are awesome. Jesus is Lord of all. So I'm going to do something at the end of this sermon that the first two services laughed at. I'm going to receive an offering. Oh, you didn't laugh. You're like, (laughs) here's why. Because I saw this little comic and it made me laugh. Let's show it. Well, Charles, when I baptize you, everything that goes under belongs to God. And if you're not laughing, I can see you right now. I don't have to tie that soul covenant. But you know what? That money could be your thought life. That money could be your money. That money could be your pride. That money could be your secrets. That money could be your strongholds. Because I think, I, I know I've been there before. Where I went, Jesus, you have everything, but. And until I'm ready to make Jesus Lord of every part of my life, I'm going to be divided. Is it time to give? I I think for some of you it is. I think it's actually time to make the step, to take the step of faith in tithing. Jabin, are things tight right now? No, absolutely not. We'll do a full financial report tomorrow night. There are so many generous people in our church, but I think there's a lot of people who are divided in this area. So you're holding on. Maybe it's time to trust God in that area. It's time to jump into the tithe and offering. I'm giving more money this year than I've ever given in my life, and it's not because I'm making more. I made a a commitment to God at the beginning of this year. I said, Lord, I'm going to live in radical generosity this year as we break ground on this building. And man, I've seen God's faithfulness. Not numeric, not like, not with money. No one handed me a new watch. No one gave me a new car. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about money, what money can't buy. I'm talking about real riches. I'm talking about eternal stuff. I'm talking about real life. So many of you, I, I want to ask you, is it, is it time to take the step of generosity and begin to sow in this house? I, I think, yeah. Yeah. Pray about it. Think about it. Do it.
Some of you don't need to pray about it or think about it. Some of you need to just do it. Give as you feel led. Secondly, there's people you've never given your life to Christ. You've never, you've never had the moment of surrender. Here, here's what I mean. Today, I, I taught that prayer. Jesus, I give you today. Some of you have never said, Jesus, I give you my life. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. Or you did at some point in your life and you've walked away from God. You need to come back to God. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here today and you say, Jabin, I need Jesus. I need him. I want him. I want him to be Lord of all. And I either need to give my life to Christ today or I need to rededicate my life to Christ today. If that's you, pray with me. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to pray, but boy, it's going to be important for you to pray. Let's all pray together. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sin for the things I've done. Make me brand new. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Please just keep your eyes closed for one more moment. Keep your head bowed for one more moment. If that's you today and you say, Javen, I'm giving my life to Christ or rededicating my life to Christ. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to boldly and patiently raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that was me. I'm giving my life to Christ or I'm rededicating my life to Christ. I'm not going to make a scene of you. I'm not going to make a spectacle of you. I'm not going to ask you to stand or move or, or leave your seat. But right where you're Sitting on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to go public with your faith and say yes to Jesus. Jabin, I'm giving my life to Christ, rededicating my life to Christ. You know who you are. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. High, 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 high. All over, all over, all over. Now, as your hand is raised, I'm going to ask you to be patient with me. Our team is going to give you something. Listen to me. We are not asking you to fill anything out. We're not taking any of your time. But we are resourcing you with something that I'm going to let you hold on to not taking any of your time, not asking you to fill anything out, but I am asking you to, we're going to hand you a card. And if you have not received a card yet, please keep your hand raised. We're going to get to you. Be patient. Right here. See that hand? Anybody else? We're coming. I know it's a little chaotic. It takes a little while, but we want to get to every person. This is simply a course, a class that you can take um, whenever you want to, and it'll help you in your journey with God. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. God is so good. So many people today saying yes to Jesus. I'm so, I'm so elated. I'm ecstatic about it. Man, powerful. Hey, I know, I know today's word was challenging, but I, anybody grateful just for God's word, God's truth? 